Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Sean, Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website, www.goldengems.net, where we also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits, which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the golden days of radio. Welcome once again to Golden Gems. Bill and Dave here with our podcast today, reviewing the life and the career of Bobby Darren, one of the great performers of the golden days of radio. Bobby Darren was born Walden Robert Casoto on May 14, 1936, and died December 20, 1973. He was an American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, impressionist, and actor in film and television. He performed jazz, pop, rock and roll, folk, swing, and country music. He started his career as a songwriter for Connie Francis. He recorded his first million-selling single, Splish Splash, in 1958. That was followed by Dream Lover, Mac the Knife, and Beyond the Sea, which brought him worldwide fame. In 1962, he won a Golden Globe Award for his first film, Come September, starring his first wife, Sandra Dee. During the 1960s, he became more politically active and worked on Robert F. Kennedy's Democratic presidential campaign. He was present on the night of June 4th and 5th, 1968, at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles at the time of Kennedy's assassination. During the same year, he discovered the woman who had raised him was his grandmother, not his mother as he thought, and learned that the woman he thought was his sister was actually his mother. These events deeply affected Darren and set him into a long period of seclusion. Although he made a successful comeback in television in the early 1970s, his health was beginning to fail, as he had always expected following bouts of rheumatic fever in childhood. The knowledge of his vulnerability had always spurred him on to use his musical talent while still young. He died at the age of 37 after a heart operation in Los Angeles. Some of the early years of Bobby Darren's life, uh, Walden Robert Casado, he was born on May 14, 1936, in the East Harlem neighborhood of New York City. His maternal grandfather, Severio Antonio, Big Sam Curley Casado, born January 26, 1882, was a would-be mobster of Italian descent who died in prison from pneumonia a year before Darren's birth. His maternal grandmother, Vivian Fern Walden, who called herself Polly and was born in 1891, was of English ancestry. She was a vaudeville singer. Darren's birth mother, Vanina Juliet Nina Casado, born November 30, 1917, became pregnant with him in the summer of 1935, when she was 17. 
Nina and her mother hatched a plan to pass her baby off as Nina's younger brother. Darren believed his mother Nina was instead his elder sister and that Polly, who had raised him from birth, was his mother. In 1968, when he was 32 and considering entering politics, Nina told him the truth, reportedly devastating Darren. She refused to reveal the identity of his biological father and kept that secret to her death in 1983. By the time he was a teenager, Darren could play several instruments, including piano, drums, and guitar. He later added harmonica and xylophone. Darren moved to the Bronx early in his life with a rented summer home in Staten Island and graduated from the prestigious Bronx High School of Science. In later years, he attributed his arrogance to his experiences there, where he was surrounded by brighter students who teased him. He then enrolled at Hunter College and soon gravitated to the drama department. After only two semesters, he dropped out to pursue an acting career. Bobby took the name of Darren when he began to record, adapting it from the first name of actor Darren McGavin, TV's Mike Hammer. However, also adding, my legal name will remain Casado. Casado was my mother's name, and it will be my children's name. Darren's career took off with a songwriting partnership formed in 1955 with Don Kirchner, whom he met at a candy store in Washington Heights. They wrote jingles and songs, beginning with Bubblegum Pop, in 1956, his agent negotiated a contract with Decca Records. The songs recorded at Decca had very little success. A member of the Brill-Building gang of struggling songwriters, Darren was introduced to singer Conti Francis, for whom he helped write several songs. They developed a romantic interest, but her father was not fond of Darren and did not approve of the relationship, and the couple split up. At one point... Darren wanted to elope immediately. Frances said that not marrying Darren was the biggest mistake of her life. Darren left Decca to sign with Atlantic Records at co-subsidiary, where he wrote and arranged music for himself and others. Songs he recorded, such as Harry Warren's I Found a Million Dollar Baby, were sung in an Elvis style, which did not suit his personality. Guided by Atlantic's star-making Ahmet Ertgun, Darren's career finally took off in 1958 when he recorded Splish Splash. He co-wrote the song with radio DJ Murray Kaufman after a phone call from Kaufman's mother, Jean, a frustrated songwriter. Her latest song idea was Splish Splash Take a Bath. Both Kaufman and Darren felt the title was lackluster. But Darren, with a few options, said, I could write a song with that title. Within one hour, Darren had written, Splish Splash. The single, Darren's first successful foray into the rock and roll genre, sold more than a million copies. His partnership with Kirchner, who was not involved in the writing of that song, ended at that time. He made another recording in 1958 for Brunswick Records, with a band called The Ding Dongs. With the success of Splish Splash, the single was re-released by Atco Records as Early in the Morning, and the band renamed as The Rinky Dinks. 
Not sure that one's much different than the Ding Dongs, but <laughs> it charted and made it to number 24 in the United States. In 1959, Darren recorded the self-penned Dream Lover, a ballad that became a multi-million seller. With it came financial success and the ability to demand more creative control of his career. So he meant for this That's All album to show that he could sing more than rock and roll. His next single, Mac the Knife, the standard from Kurt Wiles, was given a vamping jazz pop interpretation. Although Darren was initially opposed to releasing it as a single, the song went to number one on the charts for nine weeks, sold two million copies, and won the Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1960. Darren was also voted the Grammy Award for Best New Artist that year, and Mac the Knife has since been honored with a Grammy Hall of Fame Award. Darren followed Mac with Beyond the Sea, a jazzy English-language version of Charles Trenet's French hit song, Le Mire. Both tracks were produced by Atlantic founders Ahmet and Nashui Ertigan, with staff producer Jerry Wexler, and they featured arrangements by Richard West. The late 1950s success included Darren setting the all-time attendance record at the Copacabana nightclub in Manhattan and headlining at the major casinos in Las Vegas. Darren's 1960 recording of Artificial Flowers, a song by Sheldon Harnick and Jerry Bach from the Broadway musical Tenderloin about the death of a child laborer, featured a jazzy big band arrangement by Richard Burke that was in sharp contrast to its tragic lyrics. In the 1960s, Darren owned and operated with Doris Day's son, Terry Melcher, a music publishing and production company TM Music Trio. He signed Wayne Newton and gave him the song Donkashane, which became Newton's breakout hit. Darren was also a mentor to Roger McGuinn, who worked for him at TM Music and played the 12-string guitar in Darren's nightclub band before forming The Birds. Additionally, Darren produced Rosie Greer's 1964 LP Soul City and Made in the Shade, for Jimmy Boyd. In 1962, Darren began to write and sing country music with hit songs, including Things, which was U.S. number three and U.K. number two in 1962. You're the Reason I'm Living was U.S. number three and 18 Yellow Roses, U.S. number 10. The latter two were recorded by Capitol Records, which he joined in 1962 before returning to Atlantic three years later. Darren left Capitol in 1964. In 1966, he had his final UK hit single with a version of Tim Harden's If I Were a Carpenter, which peaked at number nine and number eight in the US. He performed the opening and closing songs on the soundtrack of the 1965 Walt Disney film, That Darn Cat. Things was sung by Dean Martin in the 1967 TV special Movin' with Nancy, starring Nancy Sinatra. Bobby Darren is not related to James Darren. Confusion sometimes arises because their names are pronounced similarly. They were born in 1936 and started their first careers at Teen Idols with similarly styled songs. 
They both later sang some of the same standard pop jazz ballads, and they're both associated with Gidget. James Darren starred in Gidget films as Gidget, that's Sandra Dee's, love interest. In real life, Bobby Darren was the love interest. He married Sandra Dee. In the fall of 1959, Darren played Honey Boy Jones in an early episode of Jackie Cooper's CBS military sitcom drama, Hennessy. In the same year, he became the only actor ever to have been signed to five major Hollywood film studios. He wrote music for several films in which he appeared. His first major film, come September in 1961, is a teenager-oriented romantic comedy with Rock Hudson and Gina Lola Brigida, featuring 18-year-old actress Sandra Dee. They met during the production of the film and got married soon afterward. Dee gave birth to a son, Dodd Mitchell Darren, also known as Morgan Mitchell, on September 16, 1961. Dee and Darren made a few films together with moderate success, and they divorced in 1967. In 1961, he starred as a struggling jazz musician in Too Late Blues, John Cassavetes' first film for a major Hollywood studio. Writing in 2012, Los Angeles Times critic Dennis Lim observed that Darren was a surprise in his first non-singing role, willing to appear both arrogant and weak. In 1962, Darren won the Golden Globe Award for New Star of the Year, actor for his first role, Income September. The following year, he was nominated for Best Actor Golden Globe for Pressure Point. In 1963, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role as a shell-shocked soldier in Captain Newman, M.D. In October 1964, he appeared as a wounded ex-convict who is befriended by an orphan girl in the John Gilman story episode of NBC's Wagon Train Western TV series. Darren became more politically active as the 1960s progressed, and his musical output became more folksy. In 1966, he had a hit with folk singer Tim Harden's If I Were a Carpenter, securing a return to the top ten after a two-year absence. Darren traveled with Robert F. Kennedy and worked on the politician's 1968 presidential campaign. He was with Kennedy the day he traveled to Los Angeles on June 4, 1968, for the California primary, and it was at the Ambassador Hotel later that night when Kennedy was assassinated. That event, combined with learning about his true parentage, had a deep effect on Darren, who spent most of the next year living in seclusion in a trailer near Big Sur. Returning to Los Angeles in 1969, Darren started his own record label, which was titled Direction Records, putting out folk and protest music. Bobby wrote Simple Song of Freedom in 1969, which, in an interesting turn of events, was first recorded by Tim Harden, and the song became Harden's best-selling record. Bobby himself sang the song live on several TV variety shows to great effect. Of his first Direction album, Darren said, The purpose of Direction Records 
is to seek out statement makers. The album is solely composed of compositions designed to reflect my thoughts on the turbulent aspects of modern society. He later signed with Motown. Beginning on July 27, 1972, he starred in his own TV variety show on NBC, Dean Martin Presents. The Bobby Darren Amusement Company, which ran for seven episodes, ending on September 7, 1972. Beginning on January 19, 1973, he starred in a similar show on NBC called The Bobby Darren Show. That show ran for 13 episodes, ending on April 27, 1973. Darren subsequently made television guest appearances and remained a top draw. Darren was an enthusiastic chess player. His television show included an occasional segment in which he would explain a chess move. He arranged with the United States Chess Federation to sponsor a Grandmaster tournament, which pitted him against the young Eastern Division champion, Stephen Ryder, with the largest prize fund in history, but the event was canceled after his death. A little bit more about Bobby Darren's personal life. In the summer of 1957, while performing in Detroit, Darren met a waitress named Lillian Sweet, who secretly gave birth to the singer's child. The baby was adopted as an infant and named Sam Tallarico. Darren married actress Sandra Dee on December 1, 1960. They met while filming come September which was released in 1961. On December 16, 1961, they had a son, Dodd Mitchell Darren, also known as Morgan Mitchell Darren. Dee and Darren divorced on March 7, 1967. Darren's second wife was Andrea Yeager, a legal secretary he met in 1970 and married on June 25, 1973 after the couple had lived together for three years. Four months later, in October 1973, the couple divorced amid strain caused by Darren's worsening health problems. Darren suffered from poor health his entire life. He was frail as an infant and, beginning at age eight, was stricken with recurring bouts of rheumatic fever that left him with a seriously weakened heart. During his first heart surgery, in January 1971, he had two artificial valves implanted in his heart. He spent most of that year recovering from the surgery. During the last few years of his life, he was often administered oxygen during and after his performances on stage and screen. In 1973, after failing to take antibiotics to protect his heart before a dental visit, Darren developed sepsis an overwhelming systemic infection, which further weakened his body and affected one of his heart valves. On December 11th, he checked himself into Cedars of Lebanon Hospital in Los Angeles for another round of open heart surgery to repair the two artificial heart valves that he'd received in 71. On the evening of December 19th, a four-person surgical team worked for over six hours to repair his damaged heart. Shortly after the surgery ended, in the early morning hours of December 20, 1973, 
Darren died in the recovery room without regaining consciousness. He was 37 years old. Darren's last wish was that his body be donated to science for medical research. His remains were transferred to the UCLA Medical Center shortly after his death. A little about the legacy of Bobby Darren in 1990, Darren was inducted posthumously into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with singer and close friend Paul Anka, announcing the honor. In 1999, Darren was voted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Songwriter Alan O'Day alludes to Darren and his recording of Mac the Knife in the song Rock and Roll Heaven, made a hit by the Righteous Brothers, a tribute to dead musicians, which O'Day wrote shortly after Darren's death. On May 14, 2007, Darren was awarded a star on the Las Vegas Walk of Stars to honor his contribution to making Las Vegas the entertainment capital of the world and named him one of the 20th century's greatest entertainers. Fans paid for the star. Darren also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. On December 13, 2009, at its 2010 Grammy Award ceremony, the Recording Academy awarded Darren a posthumous Lifetime Achievement Award. Thanks for being with us today. If you have not done so, go now to our webcast, www.goldengems.net, and learn more about his short but amazing career and listen to his music. This is Dave and Bill thanking you for joining us today on Golden Gems. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are, reliving some of the unforgettable memories of the golden days of radio. To learn more about the career of today's artists and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We'd love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on goldengemsradio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems. Thank you.